0: take your bibles i will let you remain seated this morning but if you would turn with me to ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 and we continue our series this morning on the signs of the times and uh, i don't know about you but sometimes uh, you know i've never been really good with photography but <clears throat> sometimes people take pictures and when you when you see the picture either you're seeing what's in the background And what's kind of on the forefront is a little bit fuzzy or vice versa. And Bible prophecy is something that I know a lot of people are just, they're enamored with it. And and listen, I want you to get this before we get into the message this morning, is that a lot of times we we are so, we get so anxious about what's right here that we're missing or what's, what's coming is distorted. And if you'll allow God and the Holy Spirit and his word this morning to help you, I think you're going to see as we conclude the message this morning what is the most important thing about all of this that we're going to we're going to study and discover this morning. And I will tell you that there is a lot as we go through these messages and I apologize it's it's hard to uh, to do justice to the Word of God, but I want to i want to do my best. I want to rightly divide uh, the Word of God, and uh, of course, a lot of what I'm going to share with you, you will see it, uh, much of it has already taken place, and, uh, and we just need to keep our eyes on the Lord, amen? And so this morning, uh, we are going to continue with the signs of the times, and I've entitled this morning's message, A Prophetic Reign of Terror a prophetic reign of terror. Now, years ago on 9-11 in 2001, of course, these pictures here, and notice the Daily Telegraph paper there, the, uh, the heading said, War on America. Notice the 9-11 terrorist attack, a day that changed America. Uh, it, it's certainly the U.S. perception on terrorism took a huge step, the horror of these hijacked planes crashing into the twin towers of the World Trade Center. I still remember where I was at. I still remember uh, I was at work. We had a small television that, that uh, I don't really know why we had one there, but we did. And I remember that somebody said, hey, you got to see this. They turned it on and we watched. Of course, the first plane had already uh, hit the uh, World Trade Tower. But I remember how thinking about terrorism that day. Now, terrorism is something that's been used to, to really describe turmoil in faraway places in the world. But instantly on 9-11, terrorism became very personal to America, brought it right to our doorstep. Uh, every time that I go, and you do too, we go to certain places, because of the heightened security that many times we see it's a it's a constant reminder of the possibility of a formidable and a persistent enemy. Uh, the homeland security—that's what it's all about. Now I don't know about you, but some of us probably remember where you didn't have to get to the airport two hours before a flight. Now don't get me wrong—I appreciate the security. Uh, I don't like uh, somebody that's that's going to destroy the airplane that I'm flying on. But nonetheless, we find that there is a formidable and a persistent enemy out there. Now, terrorism is something that we see daily. It's a reality in the Middle East. Uh, We see many times if you watch world news, and again, you have to watch it and take it with a grain of salt, but much of what is being uh, shown is taking place. Citizens in Israel are actually living under the constant threat of terror. Go back one slide if you would there. I want you to see that. that, that just shows the impact of terrorism. This is in 2022, and the red areas and the dark red areas are the very high concentrated areas, but as you could tell, terrorism is around the world, but in the Middle East, you can see that it is getting more and more intense, a constant threat of terror and war. Now, peaking development of anti-Semitic sentiment from nations such as Russia And Iran and Libya are actually noteworthy when you look at Bible prophecy. And we'll see those countries and others that are mentioned this morning through Ezekiel because Ezekiel prophesied over 2,600 years ago. Now again, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. But these two chapters that are tucked into the Old Testament, chapter 38 and chapter 39, the prophet foretells how these countries will align themselves together against Israel. Hamas is a uh, group that actually desires not only an Islamic state in Egypt, but they desire uh, a, a. They also desire uh, a state in Palestine. The is Arab-Israeli controversy is over the land of Palestine, and we see this. Going on, been going on for many, many years. Much of Hamas, as well as other groups, is sponsored by Iran. And a lot of times we have to pay attention. The Iranian president hates Jews. As a matter of fact, he said that his desire is to see Israel destroyed. The, uh, one of our former senators, John McCain, once warned with these words. He said, If the Iranians acquire nuclear weapons, he said, I think we could have Armageddon. I think it's that critical that we understand these two chapters. We understand what God gave to Ezekiel. Now, it's kind of interesting, as I was studying for this message this week, I came across this, I never really knew this, but former President Ronald Reagan, his favorite book in the Bible is the book of Ezekiel. And one of the things that he used to do when he was having his cabinet meetings is he would quote from various portions of the book of Ezekiel when he was discussing foreign policy with those that were in his administration. When you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, these chapters are prophetic, meaning that they actually point ahead to where today's hatred and the terrorism that is taking place today not only is there but it's going to ex- escalate and it's actually going to climax as Israel's foes declare war on Israel. And I want you to see that war that the Bible describes in Ezekiel. Notice the declaration of a battle that is mentioned. Now if you have your Bible or your notes there with you, look in Ezekiel chapter 38 beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, Uh, All of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. So as we read these verses, and we'll look at others in this chapter and some in the following chapter, God is instructing Ezekiel to prophesy about a future battle. Now, this is a battle that currently today, the events that are unfolding, and even some of the political relationships suggest today that this battle is one that is drawing very near. Uh, I want you to see, first of all, the timing of the battle. As we think about this, I'm not a time setter. I don't know, uh, everything is in God's timing, but one thing we do know through Ezekiel, is that there are two indicators, two factors that are necessary for this battle to happen. The first one of those is that Israel must be in her own land. Israel must be in her own land. Now, if you have your Bible or your notes, you want to go back to chapter 36. Let me show you two verses prior to these two chapters we're looking at this morning. Look at verse 10 of chapter 36. And the Bible says, and I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the ways shall be builded. Notice verse 24, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. See, Israel is uh, excuse me, Israel is, has made it into their own land. This is one of the factors that Ezekiel describes, and this war that he's talking about, the battle, is one that, this is key, it occurs relatively soon after the rebirth of Israel. In other words, when Israel has come into their land, after the ingathering of the Jews from around the world, uh, the first part actually began when, and it was fulfilled in 1948, when Israel became a state. Now, the first part of the timing of the battle is that Israel would need to be in the land. The second factor necessary is that Israel would be assuming, and that's the key word here, peace. Now, when you think about this matter of peace, it's talking about the fact that somehow when this battle happens, Israel is going to be caught off guard. In Ezekiel 38, God prophesies to Israel's enemy nations of their sudden attack on Israel. This is during a time of Israel's perceived safety. Look what it says in Ezekiel if you're there in verse number 8. The Bible says, Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. And is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always uh, have been always wasted. But it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell how safely. Everybody see the word there. The Bible says they shall dwell safely. All of them, thou shalt ascend verse thirty, verse nine, and come like a storm. Now, one thing you need to understand is, and, and if you've ever seen pictures or maybe even been over there to visit the Holy Land, that not only not only Jerusalem, but the cities in Israel, they have for years, Old Testament times, built walls around the city. Now, they do that for protection, but in Bible days, we see that these cities were there, and it was to keep the protection from the outside enemies. Now what's interesting about what Ezekiel is talking about with this battle that takes place, notice in verse 11 of chapter 38 that the enemy nations will go up to a land of unwalled villages. Notice the word there, no walls around the city. To them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without rest. Walls, having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil and to take a prey. Now, in other words, the walls are gone. The gates are gone. Listen, they're they're in a time of, of peace, they're in a time of safety. Now, 2,600 years ago, people, God prophesied that modern Israel would not rely on its walls for protection. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that in the text, that does not depict Israel today, does it? Israel today is watching their borders. Israel today is guarding itself. Listen, Israel is in a constant state of alert. Israel is in a sense of self-preservation because of all those that are around them, all the hatred of the surrounding Arab nations, and the nuclear efforts of the country of Iran demand that, that Israel would be heightened in her military preparedness. And years ago when we went, I think it's been about five years now, and there's a few people in here that took the trip with us, but I'll never forget our tour guide, who who is a Jew, was sharing many things as we traveled around the Holy Land, and there was a day where... Uh, the bus went up this hill that we were on, and it pulled into a spot, and, and we got out. And I, I remember this day, and it, when I was telling it in the early service, I, I wanted to ask my wife. I forgot to, but I know my wife never forgot this because we got out of the bus. It wasn't really cold, but the Middle East, the, the Holy Land, is, is a desert place, and they get these very highs and very lows. We got off the bus that day. We were on top of this mountain. The wind was howling and it was very cold. And I remember that we walked to the edge and there were some some bunkers that we actually went down into that were fortified where some some of the Israeli soldiers at one time, and of course they're not only meant for then but for in the future. And we walked to the top of that hill. And we could see, as far as the eye could see, and our tour guide was pointing out, this is this country, and this is this country, and this is this. It's all these nations that all one day, according to the Word of God, are going to come against Israel. And I remember standing up there thinking about that, and, and I, he was telling us, because we were I was thinking, well, there's no doubt, I've always known that Israel has an army. I always know that they have a military preparedness but I wonder to myself, how would, if all these nations come against them, how would they withstand the attack? And one of the things that he told us was that all Israelis, whether it's a male or a female, they all serve in the military. He said that most of them will serve at least two to three years. Some will serve longer. But here's what he said is that when they, when they are no longer in active duty, that they are, like many in our country, they are on reserve duty. He said that some of these people are on reserve duty, well, 40 years or more after they were active duty. Uh, the only people that are really exempt is if they have a health issue or it's a, a lady that served that had children and they no longer would require for her to serve. But, I, but he said, here's what would happen if we were attacked he said, all Israeli soldiers, whether active or reserve, would be called to to duty. And he says, that's how we would have this massive army. In other words, they are on call. There is a heightened uh, sense of military preparedness. And this is something that we are seeing today because of the hatred of those nations, those Arab nations around them. Now, The former Israeli ambassador, here's what he said, just a simple statement. He said, Israel cannot afford to go asleep, can't afford to go asleep, must always be aware of what's going on. Now, when you think about all the tension, all the military tension that is there, the question arises, and I want you to think about this, what will cause Israel? We just read it in the Word of God. What's going to cause Israel to all of a sudden feel secure? To all of a sudden not have to have the walls and not have to have the gates. Uh, What is it that's going to cause them to not be in a state of heightened alert? Perhaps it is that Israel's enemies will launch this surprise attack just after what the Bible calls the first half of the time of tribulation. Now in your notes there, I want you to see Daniel. Of course, we find many things prophetically in the book of Daniel. Daniel describes a time of diplomatic peace that is going to be set forth by one known as the Antichrist. Notice this isn't Christ, it's the false Christ, the Antichrist. Notice in your notes, Daniel 9, 27, talking about the Antichrist. He shall confirm the covenant, notice here, with many for one week. And in the midst of that week, in other words, halfway through that week, He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, Daniel mentions a week. Now, if you think about here in our economy today, a week for us begins on the first day of the week, which is what day? Sunday, right? Sunday's the first day of the week. It's the Lord's Day. So a week for us is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's seven consecutive days. That's what a week is. If somebody asks you what a week is or how'd your week go, you're thinking about the last seven days. Everybody with me? But when you look prophetically in the Bible, the word that Daniel used, a week, prophetically, refers to a set of seven days years. That's what a week is. So when we look at this time that Daniel describes, it's known as the time of tribulation. It's a period that the Bible describes is seven years in duration. And notice that he mentioned that the Antichrist will have a peace treaty. Well, who's that peace treaty going to be with? It's going to be with Israel. Israel's the one that's not gonna have the walls and Israel's the one that's not gonna have the gates they're gonna be dwelling safely they're gonna be at rest the Bible says but in and they're gonna be relaxing their security they're gonna be enjoying the time that they have but in the middle of that tribulation period what's gonna happen is the antichrist is going to unleash his anti Semitism in a vicious attack on Israel now, here's what he will do according to the Bible he will pollute as Daniel described he will actually stop the sacrificial system that God has set up for Israel and he will desolate the land of Israel notice Jesus even talked about this in Daniel uh, excuse me in Matthew chapter 24 look what it says in verse 15 in your notes know, when ye therefore shall see and this is what happens at the three and a half Uh, year point, the middle point, the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, notice, whosoever readeth, let him understand, In in other words, understand what the Bible is talking about, notice it says, for then, when is that? That's talking about at that midpoint of the tribulation, notice, shall be great, Tribulation. Now, the Bible describes this because you see all of that that is recorded in the book of Revelation. All that will take place in the second half of the tribulation, which the Bible describes, Jesus himself called it the great tribulation. Look, look at the description he gives here in Matthew 24 about the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be. Listen folks, there's never has been nor there will there ever be a time on this earth like the Bible describes as the time of the great tribulation and the scene of this battle. Listen, it's very important that we understand that the pre- preliminary blueprints for this battle are already in place. Why? Because Israel is already in the land, the scene of the battle. However, When we think about this battle that Ezekiel is writing about, it's not actually going to be staged until we find that this peace treaty between Israel and her enemies has actually been signed. When Israel agrees to that, Israel signs that peace treaty, it's only while they're enjoying that peace that her enemies are finally going to start to maneuver and they're going to uh, bring this brutal attack against them, well, when is that going to take place? At the midpoint of the tribulation period. Everybody with me so far? Now, think about this because we need to understand the declaration of a battle that Ezekiel is describing here, and we see, first of all, the timing of the battle would be at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Now, notice, secondly, the troublemakers of this battle. Now, Ezekiel details in his prophecy what countries are actually going to align themselves together against Israel. Now, we find here he mentions these places like Gog, he mentions Magog, Meshach, Tubal, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, and Tagarma. Now, some of these, maybe we're familiar with the names. Some of them we are maybe not as familiar, and the reason is because some of these, these nations still exist. They've just changed their names today, and we may not really discover or realize what the Bible is describing here. But for what regions do these names refer to? Well, they come under some major headings. The first one that we see is Russia. We need to make sure we pay attention because the land of Magog is the nations that comprise what was formerly known as the Soviet Union. Gog was a prince over the area known as Magog. Currently, that area is Russia, the former Soviet Union. Meshach and Tubal that he mentions are actually, when you study the Bible, they're Japheth's fifth and sixth sons. Now, Japheth, remember, was one of Noah's sons. Remember when Noah got off the ark, he had three sons. Japheth was one of his sons. And so we find here that Meshach and Tubal. Now, interesting, the Russian cities of Moscow and Tobolsk derive their names from Meshach and Tubal. They are today modern-day Turkey. Another one that he mentions here is Tagorma. Now, This Tagorma in the Bible was the grandson of Japheth, who is also a descendant of Noah. But modern day research actually traces Tagorma back to Armenia and to Turkey. So again, we see these. Now look at verse 6 of chapter 38. The Bible says in verse number 6, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagorma, Of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with them. Now notice the phrase there, of the north quarters. That's talking about the far north. These are those of anti-Israeli federation. People that would be of the region north of Israel. That would be countries that would include Syria, Armenia, Turkey, Greece, and Russia. Now, when Israel comes to this place where they, they have no walls, they have relaxed their security, when Israel relaxes because of this peace treaty of the Antichrist, all of these countries, according to the prophecy of Ezekiel, are all going to come together to form a League of Nations. They're going to join Russia in an attack against Israel. If you're in chapter 38 again, look at verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel, here it is again, dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Now, we know if you study history, here's what you know is true, is that in previous years, Russia rose and Russia fell as a world power. But what we're seeing today is we are seeing Russia reemerging on the world stage. Russia today is strengthening her military muscle. She has become known again as a world power. She not only is uh, strengthening herself, but she is providing military aid, think about this, to other countries such as Venezuela, Syria, and Iran. It appears that Russia is already uh, building the international relationships. These relationships will help her in the days ahead in her end times attack on Israel. Listen, there is always a motive behind everything that Russia is doing and all that she is aligning herself with. Russia's support of Iran's nuclear development actually suggests that she is a staunch ally of Iran and even Vladimir Putin said this. He was defending Iran's nuclear program and he used two words to defend it. Here's the two words. He said, it is purely peaceful. So they are developing an arsenal of nuclear weapons, and he describes it as purely peaceful. Listen, today, Israel considers Iran its greatest threat. Israel believes that Iran's program of nuclear weapons is aimed at developing a nuclear bomb. And, of course, when you, if you were to ask, and they have, They have questioned Iran if this is their intent. And, of course, in every situation, they deny the facts. Now, Russia, this is interesting, as I was spending some time going over some key things, that Russia actually has veto power in the United Nations Security Council. And Russia, of course, uh, has close ties with Iran at this current time. And because of this veto power that Russia has, It could be a crucial role, Russia could have a crucial role over imposing or not imposing sanctions on Iran in the days ahead. Now, what is Russia all about? Well, they're like many, they are lusting for power, they are lusting for dominance in the world again. And her allies also are countries just like Russia that hates Israel and hates the United States of America. And so it's not surprising to learn That as Ezekiel gives this prophecy about the modern identity of another country that he names, notice that would be Iran and the allies that would join themselves with them. Now, when you search the Old Testament, here's what you find is the Bible speaks of what is known as Persia. And no less than 25 times, including in the book of Ezekiel 38, we find that in 1932 that Persia Changed its name to Iran. Interesting, most people don't realize that, but Iran today is a radical Islamic republic that wants to see Israel decimated. In other words, they want to see Israel wiped off the face of this world. Dr. David Jeremiah said this: Iran is currently training Hamas terrorists and is it controls Hezbollah. Which is a Shiite political party and a militant group, and so you find here many things that are disturbing. The growing relationship, right now, between Russia and Iran, which is ancient Magog and Persia, you see that that growing relationship between them, combined with Israel's intense hatred—excuse uh, me, Iran's intense intense hatred for Israel—that that actually puts her in the perfect position to fulfill the prophecy that God gave to Ezekiel in chapter 38 and 39. Now, listen, Iran is not going to be the only country that's actually going to align with Russia. I want you to notice a few more that Ezekiel mentions here in this prophecy because in verse uh, 5 and 6, he mentions and lists a coalition of additional nations that will join. Notice Persia, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands. So when he mentions here after Persia, which is modern-day Iran, the next country that Ezekiel lists is Ethiopia. Hey, praise God, we have a missionary right now, uh, Brother Josh Lovegrove and his family that are missionaries in Ethiopia preaching the gospel in that country. But notice here that this African nation, is one that actually supported Iraq in the Gulf War, and they harbor much anti-Semitism against Israel. Libya is another enemy of Israel that he mentions here in his prophecy. uh, Libya is an enemy against Israel and the Western world. They will also join the alliance. Their president, the Libyan president, already states and sides with Russia. The alliances are being drawn. Ezekiel mentions also Gomer. Many believe that Gomer would be either modern day Germany or would be, others think it may be Turkey. But regardless of what you may think that Gomer is, it refers to a northern power that will join forces that will actually join those mentioned that will come against Israel. Today, what do we see? We're seeing an emergence of prophetic alliances, and listen, when you look at this, you see the events today, and you see what the Bible has to say, it's not hard to imagine the military aggression that will take place through this coalition. Now, it's easy to get anxious, as I said at the beginning of the message, about all of this, start to think about all that's going to happen, but can I tell you something that God reminded me of this week? What is truly amazing? is that as you look at all of this, God's Word clearly prophesied these alliances thousands of years ago. You see, none of this is surprising God, and we're going to see God working in the days ahead. So we see through Ezekiel's prophecy the declaration of a battle. I want you to see, secondly, the motivation for the battle, because as this battle will happen, it's relaying to us Bible prophecy now understand that God is a God of order and that everything God does he has a purpose behind it would you agree with that this morning God has a purpose now what is God's purpose behind this battle behind all that's going to happen here it is don't miss this God's purpose is that he wants to turn Israel's attention back to him God wants Israel to worship Him the way He has always wanted them to worship Him. You see, all of us know that there was a time where Israel backslid many times. They took their eyes off the Lord, and when God in the fullness of time sent forth His Son into this world, the Bible says He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. And because of that, they are still today looking for the Messiah. God is going to use this time to bring turn the hearts of Israel. Look at verse 4 of chapter 38. Here's what God says He's going to do. I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. So, Here's the thing is, when you think about God's purpose, all right, what is the big picture here? What do we need to see? Well, here's what God is going to do. God is going to use this battle to reveal himself to the world, but he's going to do it through Israel. He is going to use Israel to reveal himself. That's the whole reason why God even chose a people, the nation of Israel in the first place. Everything he does is with a purpose, including the battle that is being described that we read about this morning. God will use this battle to advance his plan for Israel and for this world. Notice again what God declares I will put my hooks into thy jaw, I will bring thee forth. Now, what are these hooks in the jaws that are actually going to bring Russia and Iran and some of their allies against Israel in battle. What are some of the things that's going to motivate them to stage this battle? Well, two things. The first one I want you to see is that they're motivated by a lust for power. A lust for power. Look at verse number 10 of, of Ezekiel 38. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass, That at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. See, today as we look at what's going on with Russia, Russia is finding alliances in the Muslim world. In other words, what is she doing? She's trying to help balance the powers against America, uh, trying all that she can. There is an evil agenda behind their actions. Listen to this statement by Vladimir Putin. Listen to this. He said, we are driving to create a fairer world based on the principles of equality. Amazing statement. Then he goes on to say, time has shown that our views find support in Arab and other Muslim states. So one thing we see that's going to motivate them to go to battle against Israel is there is a lust for power, and then notice there's a, also a desire for possessions. You see, a, aggressive nations know that to the victor goes the spoils. It's all about uh, becoming bigger, becoming more powerful, having more land. That's what Putin's doing right now. He's trying to get more land for himself, and Ezekiel here is pointing out that the desire for personal gain, or as the Bible calls it, spoil, is a motivation for this attack. Look in verse number 12 of chapter 38, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. Which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods? to take a great spoil. Look, there's no doubt. The Bible describes right there and other places that there is much to gain by taking Israel, but the truth is they're not after the cattle and they're not after the silver and gold. What they're after is they're after the land is what they're after. That's what even Daniel prophesied about, and I believe that this is the prime motivation for Muslim countries. Now, look, Israel struggles to give, as people would call it, land for peace. And the reason Israel struggles, when we were over in the Holy Land, one of the things that really slapped me in the face when we went to many different sites and many different places was how much Israel has given up of that which was hers at one time and has not gotten much of it back. I mean, every, every place we went, this belonged to this group and this, and you see different shrines and different temples and different this and different that. And I'm thinking to myself, aren't we in the land of Israel? And here's what has happened in the past. When Israel has given up, as somebody said, hey, listen, if you do this or give us this, we'll have peace. Listen, every time Israel has given up land for peace, they have gotten absolutely no peace back from it. So today, Israel struggles with giving up land for peace. Now, Israel certainly has much spoil to gain. There is much that one could gain out of getting the land of Israel, but the hooks, as God calls them, of hatred, the hooks of power, the hooks of greed will easily draw the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel into a battle that, here it is, Israel is not going to be expecting. Why? Because she's going to be at peace. She's going to be dwelling safely. She's going to be at rest. So as we think about the declaration of the battle, Ezekiel talked about a timing, what needs to be in place before that will happen. He talked about the troublemakers, the ones that will cause all the problems for the nation of Israel. Then we see the motivation for the battle, and we find out that it is all about power. It's all about possession. Can I say to you that, listen, as all of that might cause you to feel anxious, I hope you listened earlier when I said we're going to bring things into focus here at the end because I want you to see the exaltation of the Lord. See, when you look at this battle that Ezekiel is describing that's going to happen, can I just say this morning God will be glorified through this battle. There's no doubt that Israel, like like even other countries that have gone to war, Israel will be greatly outnumbered. You see, one with God is a majority. And as we find here that they will be outnumbered, and today we're finding that all around the world, momentum is actually building against Israel. This momentum is expected to continue to rise more and more against Israel. Between now and the time of this battle that Ezekiel describes in chapter 38, And when Israel's enemies are going to be temporarily pacified, and Israel has this false sense of security, when Israel is at that place, then the Bible describes this attack's going to come. But right in the heat of that battle, God's going to get glorified. God's going to be exalted. Notice God will bring the victory. Can I say this morning that yes, Some of these nations are powerful, and they're probably going to gain in power, and they're probably going to have more that's going to help them militarily, but I just want to say this morning, and I hope this brings great comfort to your heart today, that God's power is greater than all the combined military forces and technology of all the world's nations together. God is more powerful than all of them. And at this battle, right in the heat of this battle, we're going to see here a mighty display of God's power and God will be glorified in the eyes of the Israelis. And when you look at Ezekiel 38 and chapter 39, what do you see? God actually details this victory that he is going to win. And I want you to see that the details of that victory. Notice, first of all, that God says that he will shake the land. Folks, listen, the the bombings that are coming over into the nation of Israel that are taking place, all of the things that are happening, uh, modern missiles and even nuclear weaponry, if Iran does have that, are no match for God in this particular battle. Uh, When it comes to protecting his people, listen, God has a full arsenal of unconventional, unconventional weapons, and one of those Unconventional weapons is actually earthquakes. Look what the Bible says in chapter 38, beginning in verse 18. And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord, Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking. In the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beast of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. See, God is talking here about how he is going to shake the land. He he is going to shake every day at our house twice a day. Uh, we don't have what what many people years ago had called a grandfather clock, you know, to where when the thing would go off on the hour, it would make a noise. At our house, we have uh, we live in Miramar. We're not too far from where they keep doing this blasting. Just just not too far from us. Some of you may know where I'm going with this. But two times you can almost set your clock by it. Our entire house will shake. I've got I've got uh, drywall that's starting to crack from the shaking. And it'll go for maybe five, ten seconds, sometimes longer. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. That is nothing compared to when God comes in the midst of this. And God actually will begin to work here. And we find here that He will shake the earth in, with His arsenal. And then notice with the rumbling of that earthquake still being felt, secondly, we see that God will then confuse the enemies. Look in verse 21. God says, I will call for a sword. Against him, throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, every man's sword shall be against his what? his brother. Now I want you to see this because the the earth is being shook, and then we find here that one of the results of that earthquake is there is somehow a breakdown of communication. I don't know. Uh, it maybe it's maybe because of the earthquake. Maybe some towers are going to go down. Hey, you think about how 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 dependent we are today on communication, on technology. You ever you ever been driving along? You get to an area where we ca- you might call it a dead zone, where your phone doesn't work. Where maybe there's not a tower in that area. Uh, some of you maybe travel to other countries where they don't have the technology that we have today in our country, and, you know, some people say, well, I have 5G, and, you know, other people are like, well, I don't even have 1G, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're living in a world where everything depends on technology, but something's going to happen where the earthquake is going to shake the land, and all of a sudden, all the communication is gone. Now, you say, is that possible? let me remind you in the Bible of a time in the Old Testament where the people decided one day, we're going to build a tower up to heaven. And God said, no, you're not. And so what did he do? He confounded the languages. So they they stopped building. Why? Because they couldn't communicate. I mean, God put me in South Florida. I don't have the gift of tongues. I'm going to tell you, it's frustrating sometimes when I, listen, When I know the truth that can set someone free, and I can't communicate it to them. So God's going to shake the land at this battle, and then notice he's going to confuse the armies to where they cannot communicate together. What's going to happen? Fear, panic, confusion. Watch this. Because all these armies are coming against Israel, and they're all trying to harm Israel, but guess what they're going to do? They're going to end up harming each other. Because there's no communication. All this friendly fire is going to take place. And we find that God is going to shake the land. He's going to confuse the armies. And then he has another divine weapon. is God's going to bring sickness to the attacking enemies. Do you know there's some people that are not here today? And you know why? Because they're sick. We miss them. But listen, when you're sick, you can't go to work. When you're sick, you can't function. Well, when this battle takes place, look what it says here in verse 22. God says, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon many people that are with him and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. See, God uses another divine weapon to where they cannot attack Israel. And guess what? Notice here also, it says, with great hailstones, fire, and brimstones. There are people, there's been people for years that want to mock anytime the Bible mentions fire and brimstone. But I'm going to tell you, when this battle takes place and God rains down the fire and brimstone and the hail, this firsthand experience that they will have will remove all laughter about this matter of scoffing at the word of God. And when God wants to bring a victory, guess what? God has a limitless supply of undefeatable weaponry. God has everything at his arsenal. And as the victor, God will then declare that he will destroy the armies. Listen, not only are they going to be defeated in this battle, but they are going to be utterly destroyed. Look at chapter 39. The Bible says in verse 1, Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel, and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand. I will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. So notice that God will utterly destroy them. Now, listen. The destruction is going to be so vast, so much, that I want you to look at verse number 12 of chapter 39. Look at it. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. There are going to be dead bodies everywhere, and it's going to take Israel seven months to bury all the dead from this battle. You see, I want you to know this morning, That yes, the odds, if you look at them, all these nations coming against Israel, all of them forming an alliance, and you would think that they are going to, as the Iranian president wants, to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. But listen, I'm going to tell you something, all of these enemies are going to fall like dominoes before God because God will bring victory for his people. And not only will he bring victory, but notice God will exalt his name. You see, God will exalt himself uh, through this anti-Israeli battle. God will help Israel once again to have an awareness of God in their midst. Folks, you came to church this morning. I don't know why you came. I hope you came to meet with the Lord. But can I tell you this morning that if we just came and just had church and God was not here with us, then we wasted our time. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, he's promised to be there in our midst. But you know what God has always wanted to be with Israel? You know, a great picture of this is in the Old Testament when God established the tabernacle. Not the temple, the tabernacle. If you've ever seen a depiction, you had the Holy of Holies, and you had the courts around it, and then you had the, the outer structure that was put up, and then you had all the tribes of Israel all around it, and where was God? God was in the midst. Well, today, you, your body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you know where God desires to be? Right in the midst of your life. When we look at this here, guess what we see? As a matter of fact, look at the last verse of Ezekiel 38. Look what God says. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am. Remember what David said? David says, Hey, listen, is somebody going to shut this big mouth up? Isn't somebody going to take this giant out? And listen, the whole army of Israel, they were all paralyzed. Nobody would lift one finger against, uh, against this giant of a man. And David says, listen, he says, if nobody else will, I will, so that all the earth may know that there's a God in heaven. And understand here, look, look at chapter 39 of Ezekiel. Look at the Bible says in verse number 21, God says, and I will set my glory among the heathen and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them, so that the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. See, God will exalt his name. Israel will once again have an awareness of God in their midst. Look, it could be through God's miraculous intervention that this battle will actually soften the hearts of Israel that they will realize that they need to repent and turn back to God. Israel will, will one day understand as all this unfolds that they need God in their lives and God will be exalted. He will exalt His name and Israel will be awakened to their need of the Lord in, in their lives. Listen, I hope this morning that's where you are. I hope that you understand, I need God in my life. So many people try to live without the Lord. And as we look at this prophecy and we look at the events of this world today, listen, certainly there is a rise in terrorism. There is a rise in an anti-Israeli sentiment. Folks, I'm not discounting that. Uh, We're seeing many nations that have a hatred for Israel. But do you see the big picture this morning? It's not really about an anti-Israel sentiment. It's about an anti-God sentiment. People don't want God. They don't want God in their lives. Man's ultimate desire is to defy the one true God and his people. But I'm going to tell you something. When I look at the Word of God, time and time again, and I know it's going to happen still in the future, God's Word has proven itself to be true. God will be victorious. And the one thing I love about it as you study and we get to these end times, God did choose a people. God did bless them. Now, why did God choose a people? Why did he? Well, the whole purpose was so that they, Israel, would see him. And you know what God wants you and I to do? He wants us to see him as well. God is going to allow things in our lives. Daniel said it this way, the God of Daniel, he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom that shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. You see, when you look at the book of Ezekiel, 57 times Ezekiel gives two statements, 57 times the statement, "Ye shall know that I am the Lord and the statement, and they shall know that I am the Lord. 57 times in 48 chapters in the book of Ezekiel, God actually states His motive. And what is His motive? God wanted to reveal and wants to reveal Himself to you and to this world. Well, how's He going to do it? He's going to do it through His Word, and He's going to do it through current events. God is allowing Himself to be seen in this world. He wants you to know that He is God and that you can trust Him, even for salvation. Look at Psalm 46.10. God says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Isaiah said, look unto me. And be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Even in the days of the king Nebuchadnezzar who was a pagan. God was trying to show himself. He was trying to draw this king to himself. Daniel recorded until thou know, to, to Nebuchadnezzar, that the Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men. And it is that God, the Most High God, that giveth to whomsoever he will. God is the only true God, the living God, as Daniel said and this morning. Can I tell you, you can trust him. I love that what Isaiah said, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the God, even thou only. He is the God. That will be victorious over this future reign of terror. Do you know the Lord this morning? And are you trusting in Him? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed this morning. Listen to signs of the times. Are you seeing them? Things unfolding? Folks, I, I, I have no idea how much longer. I'm looking forward to the Lord coming back. But if you're here this morning don't know Christ as your Savior, can I plead with you this morning, before it's eternally too late, to put your faith and your trust in Him. In just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And if you've never accepted Christ, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not the church's promise. That's the promise of the only true living God. And if you are saved this morning, maybe you've been anxious about things you've been seeing and hearing. Listen, aren't you glad that God, over 2,600 years ago, told us many of these things that are going to happen yet in our future? It may be the near future. But some of you just need to come this morning during the invitation and say, Lord, no matter what happens, I'm glad that I know you. And some of you may want to pray for some that yet have not put their faith in Christ. Lord, thank you this morning for the Word of God, the truth. Lord, I thank you for how accurate the Word of God is. And I pray that you'd bless this invitation if someone needs to be saved, that, Lord, they would come today and put faith in Christ. And I pray for Christians this morning, God, that we are not looking at all these nations that want to come against Israel. And even though, God, we know that you have chosen Israel, but you chose Israel to reveal yourself to us into this world. I pray that our eyes are where they need to be and they are on you. God, may you be exalted. We're on the victory side all because of who you are and what you will do. I bless this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as the piano. Brother Kenny begins to sing. Why don't you respond this morning? A lot to pray about. If you need to be saved, why don't you come?
1: It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him. Are you taking God at His word? word? Just to rest upon His promise, just to know. the saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust him more. Yes, it is sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how i proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all oh, for grace to trust him. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Father, we thank you so much for the day you've given us. Thank you for the reminder from your word this morning that you are completely in control of all of these things that are going on in our world today. Lord, I pray you'd help us just to lean upon the promises that you give to us in your word to trust you and know that your plan and your will is absolutely the best thing. Uh, Lord, help us to understand that you do have a purpose, you do have a plan in mind, and you are working that plan not only to bring these events to pass, but Lord, also working things together for our good. Lord, help us again to trust you and pray this in Jesus' name.